What's going on, everybody out there in podcast land? It is Dan, again, your host from the Top 10% Podcast. And uh, thanks for tuning in with us this week. Um, We are one day away from September. It's Wednesday, August 31st. And uh, I know everybody has deer and... uh, elk and everything else on the brain right now. So um, we're going to dive right into it this week. Uh, First of all, um, we've got a guest that uh, probably a lot of you guys aren't going to know if you're from the northern region or anywhere around headquarters or uh, the tri-state area, but uh, we've got Hunter Ogle um, from Louisiana. We know him from Island Boy, uh, Donnie Smith, that uh, we've hooked up with and uh, are doing some, you know, some big things with Donnie and Donnie's introduced us to Hunter and we're going to have him on here. He's going to tell you a little bit about him and and what they have um, to offer there and just a a little bit different style from what we are. Kind of give you guys a twist of something before we get into a couple things. Uh, Once again, thanks to 5-2 Outdoors for um, all that you guys are doing and all the plannings. Hopefully everybody's got everything in the ground that they needed to. Um, Also... um, trying to think here paying the bills and and whatnot thanks again to saturn uh, barrels they are have just got us another shipment in so if you guys are thinking about gun season already and need a 350 or thinking about coyotes and you need a six millimeter um, arc get a hold of uh, us at headquarters talk to jeremy we'll get something built out Um, we do have some stuff ready to go right now Um, I don't know how many we have. I haven't been in headquarters in a few days and I'm actually doing this one from my house as I'm trying to get ready for us to depart in a day or so to head to Kentucky for velvets. So hopefully we have a, um, pretty sick one to come to you from uh, myself and tribal and, uh, MBK when we're in Kentucky and hopefully we've got some velvets on the ground and, and a couple stories to tell. So, um, Stay tuned for the details on that, and obviously there'll be footage to follow if, if we are lucky enough to put something on the ground. So either way, stay tuned for this week and uh, enjoy this week's guest. I think you uh, will be pleased with uh, your listening. And uh, again, if you guys have suggestions, tips, anything, reach out, let me know um, via our Instagram, or um, you can reach us on Facebook as well. Uh, the other thing would be... Uh, like and subscribe and follow on YouTube. We are uh, approaching a large number of YouTube followers due to a couple giveaways. We are getting ready to do another giveaway here um, within the next few weeks. And then we're going to do a big giveaway, I think, right after that. That's going to, you're not going to want to miss. So stay tuned. <laughs> Bro, I just shot T Bar. Oh my God. This episode of the Top 10% Podcast is brought to you by Top 10% Hunting Headquarters, located in Coldwater, Michigan, your premier AR manufacturing outlet. Let's get back to your host, Dan Carter, of the Top 10% Podcast. 
Welcome back to the Top 10% Podcast. It is me, Dan, your host again. And uh, this week, we're uh, bringing you another boy from the South, um, Hunter Ogle. He is uh, the the man down there at Superior Outdoors in uh, Jenna, Louisiana. And uh, we're going to bring him on with you here in just a second. We've got Hunter with us and uh, let him tell you a little bit about himself give you a brief introduction and then we'll kind of dive right in and talk about uh some different things with with him and uh the area so hunter welcome on man what's going on brother <laughs> well we appreciate you jumping on you know from uh many miles away so you guys got to be getting close to getting into season things are starting to heat up down there if i'm not not correct right oh yeah man uh you know our our opener here over the uh, everybody's getting ready, coming in, buying bows, getting stands, you know, getting ready for season. Uh, a lot of scouting going on, a lot of deer camera pictures being shared, you know, sure. stuff like that. All right. Well, tell me a little bit. That's that's great. You know, I, I tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Obviously, we, we kind of briefed on that now, and we know that uh, Donnie was, uh, you know, Island Boy was, was kind enough to put us in contact with you, and, and we appreciate, you know, that connection and obviously anything that we can do for you guys and, and vice versa. You know, that's kind of the red direction we're going and, and kind of keeping like-minded people in the same, same circle. You know what I mean? Contact. So I, I initially – uh, Donnie come in not knowing me from Adam, and he just wanted me to, you know, tune his bow stuff like that. And uh, we just we just stayed in, in contact ever since. And then, you know, he called me telling me how great of people y'all were, and that you know y'all helped him a lot uh, get off that eye. Right, right, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Kyle and him built one heck of a relationship from that standpoint. You know, they they really. Um, they kind of led him, led him to water a little bit with, uh, some e-scouting and some things like that. And Kyle's very good at that. And obviously when we do our consults and stuff, and we're, we're looking at those and Kyle's looking at them as well and, uh, you know, evaluating land and, and looking at different things that are going to just point people to the right deer movement. So that's, that's good. But we're glad that, uh, Donnie was, uh, you know, successful on that hunt. And obviously it built a relationship around not just that hunt, but everything else that they've done. Right, yeah, not he's he's definitely a, a hunter through and through, man. That's you know, that's that's what that's what we talk about. It's hunting, scout, camera. You know where you been, what you doing. Right. Um, you know that's that that's the main thing. You know he calls and asks me about guns or or bows or whatever the case. You know whatever he's getting ready for for season. But you know, uh, it's all you know. We always on the on the computer looking at aerials and looking at topo maps of you know what the what the best plan of attack for this certain area is going to be uh, especially with you know the way that the reserve and all that is down here with with all the pressure and all the people that we have come to it every year yeah so you know as he he talked about when we did a podcast with him and obviously I've, I've been part of some conversations with you know him and with with tribal and whatnot as well and we talked about how it is a little bit different ball game and the pressure is you know, it's kind of concentrated in the public land stuff is, is kind of crazy down there. Of course, you know, I think, you know, being from Michigan, a lot of people hunt here. I wouldn't say everybody, but most people I feel like hunt something. And I think it's kind of the, you know, the same way when you get into the South there, if they're not hunting, they're fishing and it's like one or the other. There's a lot of guys that do one or the other, and there's a lot of guys that do both. So, you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, the amount of, 
of difference there is from here to there, but then again, so many similarities from that aspect too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It's I, I've heard a lot of different stories. Uh, you know, we have we have people. I haven't had anybody come through the store from Michigan, but I have had a lot of people come come down from you know uh, Missouri, Oklahoma, Kansas, just different areas like that that come down here to duck hunt. Uh, whenever it gets pretty cold up there, but uh, yeah, I mean the the pressure the pressure down here that that's on our reserves and uh on on public land in general is is crazy, man. Like it's it's nothing to to go to a reserve and you know count twenty to forty trucks just in a small block of woods. Wow. Um, that's that's parked and hunting and and this that and the other and then you know it. We, we have no kind of we have no kind of management system set up through our state here so you know somebody walks in the woods if it's brown it's down you know you're, you're lucky if it don't have spots on it whenever they come out the woods yeah that's what Don, uh, Donnie was saying the same thing yeah man it's I mean it's crazy down here and then then the reserve that I'm on um, you know you got squirrel hunters duck hunters deer hunters you know and all that's going on during the same time so like you're liable to go in the woods and you know almost get shot out of the tree by squirrel hunters and then you know you're liable to set up by a pocket of water thinking that you're gonna have a deer come through and then you have two groups of duck hunters you know move in and it, i mean it's public man it happens it is but it's just the the amount of people that we have down here that hunt and and use our reserves is is crazy you know i there's people that come from all over just to just to hunt down here Right, right. Yeah, and I think the draw for the ducks and everything is huge down there as well. So, but I mean, I think that the public thing, it's good to see that many people out and people coming from all over to, to hunt those areas and do that. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it's a band of brothers or we call it the brethren, you know, and, uh, you know, that's the big thing is like we, we obviously want other people to hunt. And sometimes you do get frustrated instead of just thinking about it. Hey, it's just another guy or gal that's trying to do the same thing or teach his kids or you know and and this is the only place he's got to do it maybe he had private you know land growing up or maybe he had access somewhere else and now he he doesn't so he's got to do you know and he's doing his due diligence and putting meat on the table and all that and and you know i commend him for that that's that's a good thing oh yeah no absolutely man i have you know i set up i set up bows for kids uh almost weekly really i have i have quite a few kids that come through you know i i love seeing the hunting tra- tradition passed on and yeah i mean like like last year man i had a uh i had a guy that that he had no idea i was in the area uh he come come through there squirrel hunting him and his uh and his i think it was his grandpa that was with him but uh he was running you know running squirrel dogs down here and uh he you know his dog uh treated a squirrel five yards from me while i was deer hunting i just you know i nicely got down i got down and talked with him for you know, probably 15, 20 minutes and, you know, come to find out I was 250, 300 yards uh, off the road, but they were, I mean, they had walked two miles in a circle almost, you know, just letting their dogs tree and, wow. you know, just enjoying, enjoying the woods. Right. So, you know, I was like, yeah, man, y'all can have this block. You don't walk, you know, you don't walk that far just in a circle. Sure. Well, you know, and it's good. Like you said, I mean, there's so many people that they wouldn't get down and they would be frustrated and it, you know, obviously, um, I won't point directions in, in mentality of like, you know, some of the, the Southern hospitality versus the Northern, but we all know how that goes. We've, <laughs> we've heard those, we've heard those jokes before, but I, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said with that. You know, we, I, you know, Scott and I were having a conversation with a, uh, a young lady just here this last weekend and we were, 
we weren't as far south as you, but we were a ways south, and um, we were talking to her, and she was from New York, and we we had a conversation about um, the whole waving. You know, everybody waves at everybody down south, and you know, my dad lives in Tennessee, and I spend a lot of time in the south. Obviously, we'll be to Kentucky here in two days as well, but um, it, you talk about the wave, and I and I was, I was, we were laughing. She was laughing. She's like, "Well, I'm from New York. I know exactly what you mean. It's like you wave at somebody up north, and they don't wave back all about ninety percent of the time. And down here, everybody waves. It doesn't matter, you know, if it, what your license plate is or where you're from. It's just friendly. So I think that that carries into the woods. I remember when I lived in North Carolina, um, a lot of that, you know, carried through the woods too, and it was it was a good thing. So. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's like, like you said, that's a, that's a, a given down here, man. You, you passing somebody on the road, especially somebody, you know, you just about jumping out of your seat, waving at them, <laughs> you know, uh, you want, you want to be seen and you want them to know that, that you're trying to be nice and, and tell them what's up, you know? Right. right. I, I fully understand that for sure. Well, tell me a little bit about the, you know, we'll kind of switch directions and we'll come back to the hunting side here in in a few minutes, but tell me a little bit about the store and what you do there. And you guys have two locations, right? Yeah. So our, um, you know, the, the history on the, on the superior outdoors or superior outdoor innovations, LLC, that's, uh, you know, the guy who started it and all he, uh, he started out with an indoor archery range in 2016 okay. in, a, in a place called Jonesville. Um, you know, they held, uh, I think it was 25 yard indoor tournaments. Um, you know, all that kind of good stuff. They shut down when they opened up the store in ball and, um, it's done extremely well. Um, you know, we're, we're a major dealer in all lines, Matthews, Hoyt, Prime, um, Bowtech, PSC, Elite, you know, we, we got just about every every major brand, and then uh, we opened up Gina, and uh, I've been working, you know, working for him basically ever since. Uh, I think I come in three months after Gina was open. Okay. And uh, I've been there for two years now uh, working, you know, Bowtech and stuff like that. I've pretty much worked on my own equipment, uh, you know, me and my dad have since I was about eight, you know tune bows and, and worked on all my own stuff so it just kind of you know i just kind of carried that knowledge into what i do now right and uh you know i love it man i couldn't ask for a, a better job i was i was working working off and uh working on the on the pipeline and all that i was making really good money but it wasn't worth not not seeing my kid so yeah, yeah there's a lot to be said with that you know i mean we we've touched on that all the time but having that you know we're doing something for a job that you know no matter what the you know, the paycheck is at the end. If you can't be with your family and you can't enjoy your time and you don't get any time, it's, you know, and that stuff's valuable. And I think we take that, you know, I don't want to say we take it for granted, but I think a lot of times we look at it and go, okay, we, we want the big check instead of thinking it through and going, well, you know, if I make a small sacrifice and do something that I love and enjoy my job every single day, when I get up and go to work, you know, and, and, and grind from a positive you know, there's a lot to be taken away from that. So that's good. Good for you, man. And that's, that's great to hear. Yeah. I have people tell me all the time, they'll come in you know, I'll be tuning their bow or, or building their arrows or whatever the case. And they're like, man, you, you must be living the dream. And I, I mean, it's the same answer every time. It's like, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love it. I really do. I can, you know, I shoot my bow on the clock. My, you know, the owner <laughs> loves it. He loves see. He loves seeing us. You know, be able to be able to live and and do what we love to do. You know, because he's just as infatuated with with archery as 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 I am. 
you know. Uh, so it, it, it really is. It, it's awesome coming into work every day, meeting nice people, you know. Uh, I, I can honest, I can honestly say that, you know, everybody who hunts and, and just the hunting uh, brotherhood and, and all is, is awesome. You know, everybody generally wants to help you. You know, you've got the, you got the people that secretive and, and, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't really want to talk about it, but you know, the majority of the people you meet, you know, they're, they're trying to help you out. You know, you tell them you hadn't killed a deer all year, all year. They're going nine times out of 10. They're going to be like, well, look, man, every time I go to this area, I see X amount of deer, Right. you know? Yeah. One hand shakes, one hand shakes the other for sure. I think there's, there is, like you said, there's a lot of people that they want to be secretive or they're, they're secretive to a point. It's, it, there's a situation where I'm not going to tell you where, you know, a 180 inch deer, 200 inch deer is because I'm trying to pursue that deer myself. But ideally, if you're telling me, Hey, like you said, I haven't killed anything. I haven't been on any deer. You know what, how can you help me? I'm going to do my best. You know what I mean? And it may be something that I pass, right on the, you know, on my drives in through work or where I'm at and say, Hey, this, there's a piece of public over here. And every day at nine 30, I see, you know, 15 deer in this, this inside corner, you, you go there, set that, you know, set up there and hopefully you have some luck, you know? And, and that's just the, that's the brethren of the hunting industry, man. And, and what we do, everybody, you know, it gets a bad apple sometimes with, you know, nowadays everybody in the sponsorships and all this, that, and the other, and everybody's trying to get something for, for whatever and and it's it's just a passion and an enjoyment that i'm glad to hear that you guys are doing the same thing down there that we're trying to do up here yeah man it it really is it's awesome down here i mean it's it's a little hot down here during archery (laughs) season unlike up there but you know you got you just power through it but it you know it happens yeah you got you got too many of those uh i'm not a i'm not a snake fan at all i i don't uh i don't tolerate snakes i probably could deal with the crocodiles and the spiders that that don't bother me as much but the snake thing i'm just like ugh, can't <laughs> yeah I've, I've got a i've got a certain i i got a um uh, an area that i that i um i had really good uh sign in last year but i found it kind of late in the year last year mm-hmm. and uh i went back in there about a month ago, just to kind of see if that sign was still there, try to find some bedding areas and stuff like that. And uh-huh. I think I killed, I think I killed five snakes on the way in and three on the way out. Nope. I wouldn't have. I mean, that's one, the first <laughs> one would have been enough for me, brother. I would have been out. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, um, you know, hunt, hunting in October down here. Uh, that, that's why like ground blinds down here generally isn't a very popular thing because if you're going to bow hunt out of one, you can almost guarantee a snake's going to be in it when you open it. Yeah. I've heard, uh, I've heard that too. I've heard over and over. I've heard stories, you know, and even, even setting up, I don't even like in the Turkey season, you know, when this is starting to warm up in mm-hmm. spring, you go to dad's and set up a blind and I'm like, he's like, well, let's just leave it here overnight. And I'm like, well, we get back in the morning. There might be a snake in here. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> so yeah no oh my dad I, I remember one of the one of the stories daddy told me oh uh, so uh, the whole like my entire life growing up i me and dad's always hunted obviously okay and uh i asked him i asked him it's probably been about two three years ago i asked him i said man why don't you know why have you never hunted out of ground blinds and he kind of he kind of just chuckled and he said i don't guess i've ever told you this story my dad's not Uh-oh. a snake fan he don't he don't <laughs> do snakes but uh do y'all know what a hog nose is i do yeah so daddy daddy set up a ground blind one year and uh he got in there really early and this that and the other was sitting there and he heard something kind of rustling 
on the ground and he turned his light on and it was about a four or five foot hog nose that was curled up looking at him and he thought mm. it was a, a water moccasin. He said he tore that ground blind in about 40 pieces trying to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, and ever since then, he has not been a ground blind fan. I, I, could, I, I wouldn't put up a blur ground blind now just after hearing that story. So <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man, I just, I, I don't know. It's, you know, they're fine from afar, like like so far away that I can't see them. You know what I mean? But other mm-hmm. than that, you know, I don't, uh, I you know, I'd be mowing the lawn up here and a gardener snake sends me into like the, whoa, I, I'll leave the tractor running, you know? So. Oh, yeah. No, man, my, my grass gets too, too tall at my house. Uh, I get gardener snakes and king snakes and everything else on my, on my concrete out here. Oh, man. Yeah, you you can have them. So I guess that kind of spins us into we're going to get away from the snakes because I'm I'm already getting like I'm going to have to drink some whiskey or something to get me get me right here. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more. I mean, obviously your dad got you into the hunting game, and, and tell me a little bit more about how you got involved in the industry and how you you know obviously stumbled into Superior other than just being you know I'm sure a customer of of his and and whatnot. But you know, tell me tell me how you got started in the hunting hunting side or what your well, you know, upbringing yeah, was. I mean, yeah. So like, you know, uh, like, like I said before, you know, dad started me out hunting. Uh, at, at, I think I was five when I first started going to stand with him and then, uh, you know, shooting bows in the yard and, and having fun with, with buddies and dad and his friends and all that. And then, you know, about, uh, I was probably 10 or 11 mm-hmm. and my dad started bringing me into bow competitions you know, okay. ASAs, 3D events, stuff like that. And uh, I would always go shoot them, had a lot of fun, um, you know, hunting bow, transitioned into tournament bow, uh, big stabilizers, magnified lenses, the whole nine yards there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shooting there. And then I graduated school and I kind of moved off to college. And, uh, you know, the whole 3D thing for me kind of kind of got put on the back burner. I still bow hunted, but, you know, I never got to – really get back into the 3d game mm-hmm. and then uh just kind of transition there through life of uh getting a job i worked on the oil field pipeline stuff like that trying to make big money really quick sure and then um scott opened gina and my uncle had called and said hey you know they're looking for a bow tech uh if you would be interested in in working there and he's called me with jobs before and I was like, no, nah, man, I'm making too much money. But whenever he kind of called me with the dream job kind of deal, oh, <laughs> uh, I was, I, I jumped on it. I called the, called Scott and said, Hey man, uh, you know, I'm making this a month. Um, but I want to come home. I want to be home with my family every night and I want to do what I love. Sure. And, uh, me and Scott went back and forth and he brought me in. And ever since then, you know, I've met, met a lot of people in the industry uh through through our reps and going to asas and uh and all that i've you know i go to the asas and i've talked with tim gillingham talked with him through through messenger and stuff like that on uh on arab builds and uh right. you know nathan brooks that shoots for elite and stuff like that um and it's just been i mean it's been an all-around good experience and you know i'm just kind of growing through through that and meeting new people and and all that uh kind of more through the 3d side okay um of things right now but uh you know obviously i would like to get you know get neck deep in the industry as far as as far as the hunting side goes and and all that in the future uh, Sure. you know it just takes time 
Yeah, I think there's, uh, you know, it, you just kind of got to continue the grind. I mean, it sounds like you got a good, uh, a good contact list, if you will, of of guys there yeah. that I know those names well, and some of our our listeners probably will too. And you know, there's there's a there's a group of guys, and it's funny, you know, you the circle in our industry, the hunting and, you know, the archery side and all that, it's funny how our circle really is a lot smaller than we think it is sometimes. And it's funny because I'll run into somebody, I'll run into somebody and talk about, you know, I'm talk about this person or that person. And they're like, Oh, well, Hey, that, you know, I, I just was with them a week or two ago. And it's like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's, it's just a funny how the small world thing works and, you know, or we'll cross paths with people and, uh, certain parts of the country if we're hunting or we're doing different things. And, you know, it's good to, to see some of those people. And I think nowadays the guys are a lot more apt to do what we were already talking about. They're more apt to share. They're more apt to, you know, even though they're getting hammered on social media with all the, you know, comments and, you know, and, and messages and everything, they're still, when you meet them in person, most of the people that we've met, um, you know, I met personally has been, you know, a great experience you know, other than one, and we won't talk about that, but you know, it is, it is, it is, uh, you know, you got those bad apples, man. Yeah. And they're, you know, and that's going to be that way, you know, but everybody else, everybody else, it's been great. You know I mean? Like I said, nobody's going to give you their honey holes or anything like that, but I'll tell you what, a lot of those, those people in the industry have done, done right by me and give me, you know, tips or pointers or giving me something small. That's just this small little token is, you know, and I like to say, um, it's like pennies in a penny roll. You know what I mean? Like it, it one cent at a time, it doesn't necessarily mean much, you know, but it's, it's something, you know, and, and you put all those pennies together and eventually you have a dollar, you know what I mean? And it's, it's one of those things that right. it, just, it creates more for, you, you know, your mentality and ways that you can, you know, you can gain um, and help yourself and improve as a, as an archer or as a hunter. So no, absolutely, man. And I've I've taken I've taken a bunch of the stuff I've learned from the three D world as far as accuracy and form and stabilizers and you know manipulating weight and strings and everything else and mm-hmm. and all that and put it into hunting just to you know to try to better my chances or 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 better make a, a very humane shot on an animal. You know, um, used to you know probably five years ago you know if i could get a pie plate at 40 yards i was i I was happy you know that was that was kill zone for me right whereas nowadays if i'm not hitting you know a 50 cent piece at 40 yards with my hunting bow i'm not ready to go to the woods yet yeah and that builds that's a confidence thing too you know what i mean it's a mental confidence you know what i mean you feel like to to the the guy next to you he may feel like that pie plate is still justified which let's be real it it chest cavity i mean i'm probably probably good but that margin of error is just not acceptable for for you or i and i think that just comes with feeling confident in your equipment and confident in the things that you're doing and how you feel about your own shooting and it's funny you say that about the 3d thing though um when you said that i was thinking like i've seen a lot of changes come to the hunting side that you didn't see thinking about like the sidebar stabilizers and some of the thumb releases and things that guys were using in the 3d world long before they ever hit the, you know, the hunting side. And we're seeing tons of that. Yeah, most definitely, man. Like it, it's probably two to five times a week. Mm-hmm. I have people come in that has shot a wrist strap their entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had 40, 50 year old men come in that have shot it literally a, like they used to shoot an old pinwheel bear 
uh, whitetail or whatever the case uh-huh. that they've shot a wrist strap for that long and they come in because they seen an ASA on Facebook or whatever the case that they legit they're like hey I seen this guy shooting a, a thumb button or a hinge mm-hmm. can I can, you know would that make me more accurate for hunting <laughs> and uh I, t- I tell everybody the same thing whenever they come in and ask that can it if you shoot it correctly yes uh-huh. but don't change something that you're not going to be confident in well you know I yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. You know, so often we'll spin into that in a second as far as what I was going to say, but the gear doesn't make the hunter. The hunter makes the hunter, you know what I mean? And, yep. you know, it, it's kind of like you're only as good as, you know, yeah, good tools are great, but you're only as good as how you use those tools. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. And, and I, and I'm, I'm very much so like, like whenever it comes to, to me selling or to me, you know, trying to help somebody, I'm not even going to say selling because every time that somebody comes in, I want to help them more than I want to sell them. Right. Right. So, you know, if somebody comes in and like we were talking about a minute ago, if the best that they can do at 40 yards is a pie plate, but they're, they're ecstatic about it. I'm not going to tell them they need to do better, you know, because that, that, that's a confidence killer for them as to whenever they go home and they start shooting, thinking that, that their grouping isn't, isn't good enough. Right. So I, I try to I try to make everybody as confident as I can in their equipment, make them happy, you know, and try to help them where I can because to me that's the most important thing, you know, is, is being is having fun, being happy, and you know if, if you're confident in your equipment nine times out of ten, in my personal opinion, you're gonna make a good shot on an animal. Hundred percent. Because when you draw down and put that pin on them, you you're confident that that air is going where you need to. But if you have that doubt there, you're gonna mess up. Hundred percent. That you know, and that's one thing that we we preach all the time. And and I'm I'm huge on the confidence thing. Confidence kills. I mean, flat out. Yeah. If you're confident in your equipment, you're confident in your set. You're confident in your, you know, whatever it is. You're anything. You know, you're confident in your land. And you you've got when you set yourself into that that confidence mode, you, you're you're deadly. I mean, I hate to say that that way, but you're you're deadly when it comes to, um, especially from the hunting side. But that's also in the the 3D side too, I'm sure. And I think, um, when you start looking at that confidence thing, and like you said, you don't try and shoot them down in any way by hitting that pie plate at 40 the only thing you do is you give them a handful of tips and send them on their way and then they'll be back in two weeks and going hey remember when you said to do this and slow this down and you know and change you know make sure my release point's correct and my hand is here or, you know make sure all these things are doing what they're supposed to do and the next thing you know they come in and they're they're more confident they're shooting better groups and and doing things better and it's you know, you're, you're building, building better archers. You know what I mean? Yeah, most definitely, man. I, I mean, if I have somebody come in, that's confident with what they're doing and they're, you know, to, to a certain extent, if they're shooting right. all over the target, I'm going to try to help them. Sure. But if they can go out there and put down a, you know, say a, a three or four inch group at, at 40 yards or, a, you know, a, a half inch group at 30 or whatever the case, and they never ask for an opinion or they never ask for, you know, is my form good enough or anything like that? I'm never going to, I'm never going to volunteer that information unless I a hundred percent feel like it's needed, Sure, you know, because, because I always want somebody, if they come in confident, ready to go, well then, then by God, that's, that's good. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, you're confident in your equipment. You're going out there to kill something and you know that you're going to accomplish that. 
Well, that says a lot about you and a lot about the shop too, you know, and, and I know, you know, Donnie spoke really highly of you guys and, you know, it, it says a lot by, I guess your approach, you know what I mean? Everybody can go in and they can make a sale and let's face it. The equipment that we use is not cheap anymore. It's, it's expensive. A, bu- a bow is a, a major investment for lots of people, you know, out there. Some guys, not so much. They're still getting new bows every year and doing their, their, their thing. But you know, the, the average guy that goes out, I mean, a bow or a crossbow or whatever it may be time you add that and arrows and rests and sights and all the other little, um, you know, the complete package, if you will, it, the stuff is expensive. So we want them to be confident in what they have and not, I guess, uh, you know, I, you see so much of this where these guys, you know, have said in the past about belittling these people for shooting something that's not brand new. Oh, I got the the best of the best. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Right. I, I, I kind of I got an idea brewing that that might stir stir the pot a little bit um, later on. So you'll have to stay tuned for some YouTube footage that might be something that uh, um, you know I kind of I got an idea that uh, that may make some some uh, some waves, if you will, from that side of it. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. People will be like, "Oh, okay, got it." So, yeah, man. No, I mean, then that's. I tell people that all the time because they'll, you know, their buddy will buy, you know, the, the V3 X's this year through Matthews has been a, a extreme, a big seller for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, especially us, you know, and I've had a bunch of people that's come in, their buddies have bought a V3 X or, or whatever the case. And they're still shooting the old solo cam, the old Z seven, uh-huh. uh, outback, you know, whatever the case. And they come in they're like, man, you know, is, is this bow too old or too outdated? And I generally ask them the same thing every time. Man, have you killed deer with this? <laughs> Nine times out of ten, they're going to tell me yes. I'm be like, can you shoot it? Oh yeah, man, it's the it's the best shooting bow I've ever shot. Are you confident in that? It? Yep. Why change yeah. it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, now if you come in and you're telling me that you hate this bow and you've missed four or five deer with it and this that and the other like my buddy did last year, then by God, we're going we're going to put you in something new that you that you know you have that confidence in. It at least changes but, your mental game, right? <laughs> Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, my bud, my buddy has been a Matthews guy through and through for years. Uh-huh. Now, he bought a PSC last year and missed three deer with it. And he come in at the end of the year, threw the bow on the counter, said, get me back in a Matthews. I can't take this no more. <laughs> and I said, all right, we're going to make something happen. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's fun to hear those stories too. You know what I mean? You can kind of razz them a little bit and these guys, you know, and I hate to say there's, there's probably some, I told you so's come out of your mouth sometimes too on certain things when, especially with close buddies. And, you know, I know like we do, but, um, you know, and it's, it's all in good fun when it comes to, you know, to your own little inner circle and things like that. But yeah, by all means, I think these guys need to understand that, um, it's not, it's definitely not, the gear that kills the these animals it's it's the the hunter and you know you get what you put in you know in anything if you put in you know 120 percent you're gonna get 120 percent well maybe not but you're still gonna get 100 percent back you know most of the time right, like, you know yeah no i full i fully agree man and and like you you know like the old bow thing i've got an old uh i think it's a jennings Buttmaster 2000 oh, that, wow. that hangs okay. in my hunt hunting room uh-huh. um you know it was one of those one of those deals like my uncle got it for me as a present just to just to have you know old cool bow uh-huh. and um I've, I've heard that so much of like oh well, you've got to have this or you've got to have the the newest equipment to to kill correctly or whatever the case and um i i've, I've threatened a few times this year to pull that bow bow out and kill a deer and post it on social media to try to to try to you know 
give people that confidence of if they've got that old bow hanging in the room that they think's too old to hunt with, or, you know, if, if they're thinking about giving their kid this bow that they hunted with at, you know, for years, but they don't want to because they just unsure if it's still going to, going to work for them, mm-hmm. you know, to, to give everybody that boost and, and just to show them that like, no matter how old your equipment is, if it'll still shoot true and you, it, it's still doing what, what you need it to do, then, then go out, have fun with it, you know, enjoy hunting, get outside, you know, get, get away from the TV, get away from the video games, Amen. Wh- whatever the case, just, just go out, have fun, you know, drink some beers with some buddies and shoot in the yard. Even if, you know, even if it's an old finger bow, whatever the case, you right, know? Right. Yeah. That's, that's one thing, you know, I, you touched on, on almost exactly what I was thinking when I said I was going to make some waves, we might have to, you and I might have to create some little competition for social media and whatnot, where, I was thinking maybe we do the hand me down thing where you can't spend more than like uh I don't know like let's say 200 bucks on, on equipment and and that includes your stand and all your gear and everything else and then try and go out and harvest a deer you know and try and prove a point that it doesn't you don't need $10,000 worth of gear or you know however much land to do it and and just make it make it about the fun and the camaraderie and, and exactly what you're saying. It's about just getting out there and doing it and enjoying it. Yeah, man, most definitely. That's, I mean, that's the whole, that, that's archery in a nutshell is, is just, just have fun. You know, I, my first year back into this, um, whenever I got back into, into 3d and all that kind of stuff, you know, I got into it to have fun and to remember, mm-hmm. to remember what me and my dad used to do every weekend. He was home you know, go to a 3d event and just, just enjoy it. Have fun. See if you can hit that 50 cent piece. Sure. You know, and last year, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to, to win, to, to be number one, to, to shoot as, as good as I can. You know, if I, if I wasn't shooting 10 up, it wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can look at my scores and, and see that whenever I took the fun out of it, they actually went down, Yep. you know, you know, shooting, shooting 300 arrows a day to, to try to make yourself better and this, that, and the other, all it did was make me second guess my equipment because I would get tired, but I would push myself to keep going. Right. And you know, it, this isn't like a contact sport where, where you, you know, you're, you're, you push yourself to make yourself better. You know, sometimes you have to set that bow down because your, your shoulders getting tired. Right. You know, pin movement on a seven power lens is a lot, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're tired. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Well, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head there a little bit. I think when, when you start doing that, and, and I'll give you a comparison, is and I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that listen that, that play the game of golf. It, archery is a, a very similar kind of mindset. Like I do the comparison is like you go in there and you're mentally preparing yourself for each individual shot, and you don't know, you know, it's especially the same when you go into the hunting world. Like you don't know what your shot's going to be. You don't know what you're going to be presented with obstacle-wise. Hopefully you've cut your lanes and you've got like the pristine you know area and all your runs coming through lead to that hot scrape or what you know what i mean or whatever it may be but the other side of that when you're out there and you're practicing it's just like you said you shoot 300 arrows you're gonna mentally lose your mind thinking that like you know because you're gonna start walking some arrows i don't know anybody out there that's gonna you know fling a bunch of arrows that way and not be tired not have arm fatigue not have you know even even visual fatigue from over and over looking you know repetitively looking at the pin or doing those things and you know I, i like to pick up i like to shoot roughly 25 to 50 arrows 
um, on a regular. Some days I'll pick up the bow and I'll shoot one or two. Other days it's, you know, 10 or 12. I like to keep consistent, but not not overdoing it enough where I'm mentally going, this ain't going to work. And I think a lot of guys, they start jumping around with pins and moving everything. And it's like, if you feel like stuff's walking and after it was good, it's like, you want to tell them like, no, just take a break. Come back tomorrow. Come back in a couple hours. Yeah. Shoot again, you know? Yeah, most definitely. I, I pulled my hunting bow out. Uh, I think it was yesterday. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go shoot, shoot outside. Mm-hmm. I shot three arrows at 40 yards and all of them were touching. Dang. I walked down there, pulled my ears out, and took my took put my bow back inside because I was like, I'm I, I'm confident right now. I'm gonna leave it alone. You right. know? Yeah, like, come back tomorrow like, and I'm try it again. It good. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So while we're so, on that, tell me, tell me what what are you shooting? So actually, right now I'm shooting a uh, a 80 pound Hoyt RX4 Ultra. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm running a Spot Hog Fast Eddie XL double pin uh, dovetail mount running the vapor trail pro v rest i'm shooting 600 grain kinetic pierce 250 spines 265 up front with a four fletch uh aae max hunter okay um i generally run a specialty peak just so i can change my apertures out but uh i actually just left the standard 316 size peep in the bow this year um because that's generally what i run uh, end up running anyways okay uh, I run a B stinger, you know, front and back bar mount, 12 inch dead center, uh, bars out, out that like I'm running nine ounces on the back and four up front. Okay. And you know, I, I think generally, generally I shoot, if I shoot like 60 to 80 yards, I can generally shoot sub MOA, what I call MOA with the bow. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy as well. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, we did, uh, we did tack. I don't know if you've ever done one of those events, but, uh, tack was a fun time this year. We did that. And, uh, you know, it challenges you, um, to do some stuff and get out there and guys that, you know, I haven't done a whole lot of 3d shooting other than just with buddies and going to the 3d course and, you know, shooting the 3d targets that we have in the yard or, you know, at the shop and, um, that's been pretty much it, but you know, tech created a little bit more challenge, puts you in a more of a hunting situation. And, you know, I mean, some of them were, I mean, as a whitetail guy, a lot of them weren't, weren't going to be what I was doing, but, but as a right. whole, it, it was good to get out there and, and run your equipment the same way. I'm, I'm running an, uh, you know, a Hoyt RX seven uh, ultra as well. And, um, I, I'm thoroughly impressed this coming from, and I'll, I'll tell everybody out there, I used to be a Matthews guy and yep. I am, I am thoroughly pleased with the performance of this Hoyt. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those, uh, it's comfortable. It's very, very comfortable for me and I'm confident in it. And that, that's, that says it all. <laughs> yeah, most definitely, man. If, um, uh... You know, I looked at the Hoyts this year. I got a like a killer deal on this RX4. Mm-hmm. Um, this this year, uh, the guy sold the bow, the spot hawk sight, the Hoyt quiver with it, the R- the Redworks case. Um, yeah, I think that was that was everything. He sold it for five hundred bucks, and the bow had only been shot like a handful of times. Right. Yeah. So you so, did good. Uh, it's hard to pass up those yeah. deals like that. <laughs> yeah, it really was, man. But um. Yeah, I, uh, I had a customer. He bought the RX-7 the other day that I had. It wasn't the Ultra. It was a standard. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he bought it. And um, I hadn't really played with them. You know, I shot them when they first come through the shop just to just to feel the draw cycle. But sure, you know, getting the getting the full setup on there and actually like tuning it uh, with every, all of that stuff on there, man, it was. I, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I love the new grip that Hoyt come out with this year mm-hmm. um, on their bows. Like it's ten times more comfortable than the grip that's on my RX four. Right. Um. Right. Like like if I was to which I'm considering buying the the next Hoyt, the carbon bow that they come out with this coming year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't even wrap that grip. I nine times out of ten always wrap the handles on uh, on my bows, no matter what it is. Okay. Um, but I I can honestly say that that grip is so comfortable to me, I would not wrap it. You know, I agree with you. I think that the grip has a lot to say. And I think a long time ago, there was two things that, you know, when I hear this with, with it, it's got to be what's comfortable in your hands and comfortable for you to shoot. And that's why I tell everybody, everybody's like, well, Hoyt Matthews, PSE elite, you know, whatever. The, the name is just what it says on the outside of the bow, it, you, know, you know, on the limbs, it doesn't really make that much of a difference because these bows are such high quality now. And I think that for me, it was, the Matthews always felt more comfortable in my hand until, um, you know, obviously shooting this Hoyt and it's the same way that grip feels really, really good. The only issue I had that was just the mental change of going from that Matthews grip style to the Hoyt style. As you know, the Hoyt seems to be a little more vertical as the Matthews has a little bit more of a cant type feeling. So almost where you're seating your hand and, you know, that pressure point on the, you know, on the riser feels different as opposed to what it used to on, on the Matthew stuff. And I had, you know, I was shooting a VXR. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where once I got used to it and I, and I mean, I say getting used to it. I mean, I got the bow, um, I had it for literally, I think a week and a half or two weeks before tack, um, dialed it in mm-hmm. and went to tack and, you know, shot, shot, like, I think we shot four courses up there or something like that. And, uh, you know, shot umpteen arrows and was comfortable at that point after just, you know, just going through them early on. And, and, and you know, I, I, it'd be hard for anybody to sell me on something different, you know, at this point, unless they change it to the positive, I, I don't see why yep. I need to move. You know what I mean? <laughs> No man, I com- I completely understand. And I'm not taking anything away from Matthews, man. I'm not, I'm either. not. Um, it's just for me every company's got a rotating mod on a bow. Mhm. Matthews is not. Mhm. And being, you know, a- as a consumer, it's not that big a deal, but working day in and day out in an archery shop, it is to me. <laughs> I don't want to have to take the cams off to change the strings. Right. Because you have to, because of the way that their, you know, their system is set up on their cams, it's got the the basically two, two loops that connect and then connects to your plastic, uh, plastic ring that holds them. You know, I don't want to have to take the cams on and off just to change the strings out on a boat. Right. That's just my personal opinion. Some people, it, it may not bother them at all, but that's just, you know, that's just me. Uh, so, Matthews is still a really great bow. Um, I've never, I say never. Since they've come out with the Halon, mm-hmm. I never really was a fan of that rounded, pointy grip. Okay. Um, I'm like I'm six foot two, two fifty. Okay. And I can just about palm a basketball, so that pointed grip in my hand just did not feel comfortable. 
Yeah, it doesn't oh. it doesn't fit at all. It's it feels almost like like you said, it feels pointed. It feels like it's more uh, piercing, or it feels like it gives you almost pressure points in your in your hand. Yep. Yep. Oh, I I fully agree. And um, <laughs> you know, I've never like I have never been a a brand guy. I haven't. I've shot. Uh, so just in the last two years, I've shot a elite um, encore. Mm-hmm. I've shot an elite remedy. I've shot a PSE expedite. I've shot. I've got the the Hoyt RX four now. Uh, PSE Omen. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I had another one before the expedite. Oh, the uh, Prime Nexus four. Okay. I mean, I've shot. I've shot all these boats. You know, um, it's just it's just what I really like, and um, I, I can honestly say, out of every single bow that I've shot, my top two are the Hoyt and the Elite. Yep. I like the tunability of the Elite, but I I love the grip of the Hoyt and just the feel of the overall shot. So, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of back and forth between the Elite and the Hoyt right now, but I'm leaning more on the carbon side, uh, just because, like we said earlier, you just kind of pick up a bow and it just feels right. That's just kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I think that 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 goes for a lot of people. I mean, it's like you go into the archery shop and everybody gets stuck, like you said, because your buddy has this or your buddy has that. Don't do that. Go in there and shoot what feels right to you, and don't be, I guess, don't be cold to a suggestion if you're going in there to look at something and you're going to spend good money because spend good money on something you're going to be comfortable with and and happy in the end. You know that it's huge. Oh, dude, I can't I can't tell you how many bows I have sold just by somebody walking in and saying, Hey, my buddy has one of these. I want this. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. don't, they don't want to try anything else. They don't want to shoot anything else. That's what they want. Now from a selling aspect, that's great. That's easy. Ten <laughs> four. <laughs> let me get this off the shelf and we're going to get you rung up. Right. You hold know? on. We'll set uh, it up. <laughs> yeah. No, no lie. But from a, you know, just from a, from an archer standpoint, it's like, dude, you know, shoot, shoot them all. Like see which one you like the best. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, it, it, that doesn't always happen. But, hey, you know, if you buy it, you're happy with it, and that goes back to the confidence level, hey, more power to you, brother. Right, right. I can't agree more. Well, let's let's dig in a little deeper into the hunting side of it for you. What is your – what's your hunting style and, like, your favorite game to pursue? And are you a saddle guy, tree stand guy? We know you're not a ground blind guy. We already talked about that. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I'm, I'm primarily saddle guy. Okay. Uh, I have been, I started, uh, whenever I come back to the house, uh, my dad actually had bought a mantis, yep. uh, from tethered and it, it didn't fit him. Uh, he, he bought, I think a large XL and he needed the next, next size. So he actually just ended up giving that one to me. Okay. Um, uh, but, um, uh, I'm a saddle guy, single stick, um, you know, climb up the tree, climb back down. I don't do the whole rappel thing. Okay. Um, I just, to, to me, I just pack as light as I can and packing, you know, 25 foot of rope. I just don't see a point in it. I'm just going to climb back down the tree. Right. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's pretty much that. I walk as far as I can, find good sign, uh, try to find as little people sign as I possibly can. Sure. And then, uh, just, you know, move on from there. Um, I'm, I hunt whitetail. That's what I've hunted my entire life. Um, you know, plans, plans to go hunt elk and, and moose in the future uh, sure. at some point. 
Uh, haven't got to do it yet, but that is on the books. You know, moose is kind of my, my bucket list animal. Yeah. We were just talking but, uh, about Scott and I were just talking about hunting moose the other day. He's seen a, seen a deal on a, a moose and a, a wolf hunt that would have been uh, a pretty, I know that's a controversial thing when you start talking about hunting wolves and whatnot, but it was like a combo deal and I'm like, man, that would be a pretty yep. sweet hunt to go on. No, it would be, man. I, I've looked at that and. You know, I know the wolves are controversial. I've kind of seen a bunch on that, but I always thought it would be cool to kill one. You know, <laughs> that's just kind of my kind of my personal preference. You can call it a dog if you want to, but uh, right. I've seen dogs that are way nicer. Right. Yeah, so, me too. But, yeah, man, um, no, I mean, I, I, I'm a reserve hunter. I've, I've hunted leases my entire life with my dad and all. Okay. Uh, but I've actually, over the last year or two, I've kind of I've kind of I like the the public aspect of it because I feel like I worked way harder and i feel like it's much more rewarding you know walking one one mile or two miles in finding this sign you know doing the scouting you know it's not just putting feet out sitting there waiting for the deer to come to you right you know you're going to the deer you're getting in their element you're trying to trick them from an area that they walk through every day uh and you know you're you're putting the you're putting the era there at the correct time because you work for it right right yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot to be said with that. Do you feel, obviously, because of what you do and where where you're at and, and what you see, do you feel there's like a current stigma or like the the current trend is everybody wants to be a public land hunter? Do you feel like that's, uh, I've talked to a couple of buddies that hunt public land and, and they have a tendency to say, hey, we've seen a big surge in in people that are now hunting public again and a lot of these guys that even had private access are trying to hunt public you know do you feel like that's some sort of they're chasing that challenge like you just mentioned or do you feel like it's something that um you know it's there's just a weird stigma draw to it i i feel like i feel like the hunting public Mm um has put a big stigma on uh public land hunting Mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that you know if if you're doing it for the challenge and you're doing it because you're like you know what i'm tired same thing as me if i'm tired of putting this feed out and sitting here for two weeks on end to see three does because all of the deer are nocturnal right you know more power to you but i also have the guys that come through the shop that they're just wanting to do public land just just to do it it's it's what's cool right now you know they spend spend ungodly amounts of money on the saddles and the setups and the sticks and you know they're they're doing it as a i'm a saddle hunter mm-hmm. I, I that I, i'm a public land hunter and as soon as the fad quits they'll quit they'll sell all their equipment and go back to sitting in their four thousand dollar deer stand <laughs> you know yeah it's that's kind of the way we were thinking too is a lot of that seems to be you know it seems to be very trendy um you know that's the latest trend you know it's the same thing with the the podcast we're hearing a lot of this where these public land guys you know these guys been doing it for a long time that that we're all talking to i mean you're not getting these pop fly guys yeah you get a guy that gets lucky or you know has an accident and kills something you know a giant on public land every once in a while but these guys that are working hard and doing the work that you're saying and getting in deep and 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 looking for you know good deer sign and hunting over that of course they're going to be successful it's not you know, and, and I think you're right. I think the hunting public really, um, they really open the eyes to the, I guess the fact that there is more there 
and that these guys can get out there and they can, you know, they can approach a land, you know, piece that's near them and dig deep and do those things. And, and, you know, I got, like I said, my couple buddies that I've talked to that hunt it regularly and they're diehards, they are, and they kill good deer. And they, they've said to me, they said, well, you know, years ago, go back three to five years ago, I never would have seen anybody across the path that, you know, I hunt a whole weekend and never see anybody other than up by maybe by the truck or, you know, on the access road and never have any, any interaction. And now they're like, well, every, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, I'm running into somebody or they're getting somebody on their trail cameras that they never had issues with. And, you know, ever before with having any kind of traffic in those areas. And, you know, because they dig, they dig deep and, you know, and they grind away, but I think you're right. I think it, it definitely has to do with, um, you know, some of the stuff that people are watching, whether it's via YouTube or, you know, any of the, you know, hunting channels and things like that, that are really, really causing a spike. And, and like you said, eventually they'll all be back in their $4,000, you know, we won't name a brand name or anything, but one of those hunting huts yeah. and <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then it'll be back to hunting over bait if they can, or back to, you know, their big food plots and everything else. And, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. I just, I think that uh, I was just curious what your take was coming from down there versus up here, and it appears to be exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, which which well, I mean, and and see, our reserves are kind of kind of different. So, if you have private land that uh-huh. butts up against a reserve, you're not allowed to access it through your private land. You have to, you have, or you're supposed to drive around to the check-in station, check-in, park your truck down the provided, um, you know, path or whatever the case, the road that they have cut through the, through the area uh-huh. and then enter the woods that way. Okay. So the, you know, the guys that, that have this private land that they've had their deer stands out there for years and this, that, and other, and now they're wanting to try the public part and they enter it through there where, you know, they're not supposed to, but they do, they go in that, you know, they walk in the edge of the uh, edge of their property, four or 500 yards, go into the, the private or the uh, public land. Well, for me, that was a 1.2 mile walk from where I had to access it. Right. So that's kind of been a, that's kind of been one of those deals that people don't really care for, or that it's been aggravating to people that's hunted, you know, this public land for 20 years and that, you know, they've got good deer back there that they know where they're at. Well, then, you know, the landowner enters, even though he's not supposed to, kills the deer that this guy's been hunting for, you know, two, three years now. You know, I, I've seen a bunch of different stuff on that, which okay. are reserves. You're not supposed to run cameras on them either. Okay. You know, you're you're not supposed to cut limbs. You're not supposed to, technically, you're not supposed to even screw anything into a tree down here, like the climbing sticks mm-hmm. that, uh, the that you screw into the tree. Yep. The Yeah, the, uh, the bow hangers and all that. It's supposed to be strictly strap based items for anything i think most of the public and, land now is the same way i think anywhere you go <clears throat> pretty much is a yeah. no no harm you know type type situation no you know no vegetation damage or you know you're not supposed to cut branches some of them i know allow you to you know to trim or do things but i think it's pretty much found frowned upon no matter where you go yeah i wasn't i wasn't sure how the how the northern you know 
or any other state really uh i didn't know exactly how all their stuff went uh when it comes to that because like i know in i know in some areas like you like you said you know your buddies are running trail cameras well you get a ticket down here for if you get caught with a trail camera on, on a game reserve yeah yeah so you know and i mean obviously that doesn't always happen right you know people run cameras the, i find them in the woods all the time down here uh but if you don't get caught it's one of them deals you you got a good deer on camera you know where it's at and you got got away with it it right. is what it is yeah i mean i think it's it, it is one of those things that i think it's it's just a tool just another tool right you know what i mean and and that's with any of this thing yeah. going into the gear side you know, obviously working in a shop, there's probably a hundred things that, you know, in the shop that we could sell guys that, yeah, it's just another tool in the basket. It's just another thing is, can you be successful with it? Yes. Can you be successful without it? Yes. You know, so I think it, it's just one right. of those things that I think that people just take too much into it, you know, and, and right. you know, you look at some of the stuff that's, that's important and some of the things that, you know, guys just won't go to the woods without, and you know, some of that's justified and some of it isn't. So it just, just depends. So. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. There's, you know, there's a million and one things that we sell that one person looks at that it's the best thing since sliced bread. And then somebody else comes in and hates it. Right. You know, uh, it, it's just, it, it's all about what, what you're comfortable with hunting or what's worked for you. That's what you want to take to the woods, you know? Well, it seems to be like we're going, you and I went on a trend here tonight and it, it, we're yeah. right back to the same thing. It's confidence. You know what I mean? If you're confident in yeah. a product, that's, it's going to make you more successful. And that's, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, or anything, you know, it's like we go into boots or we go into clothes or we could, you know, there's so many right. stigmas from that aspect. And it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I was listening to a, another podcast and they were talking about, they had mentioned something about some clothes and the, the one guy's like, well, you know, I don't, I mean, I've killed a lot of stuff and just a solid color sweatshirt and no deer seen me. <laughs> and I'm like, I right. get it. I have too. you know, I mean, there's, you know, some different things that happen, but, uh, well, as we get, you know, we're, we're creeping on an hour and I know you got family to get to and everything, but we'll kind of wind it down with, you know, is there, is there an, a memorable, uh, a memorable hunt that maybe you want to share with us. And then we'll talk about what your goals are for, um, this year, this season coming up. Probably, probably the most memorable hunt that I talk about a lot is the second deer that I ever shot with my dad. Okay. Uh, he had a lean up stand and it was a corn pile at like 20 yards. Now and we went in there to hunt. I'm going to stop you for, I'm going to stop you for a second because some of these Northern guys won't know what a lean up stand is. You tell them what a lean up stand is a ladder stand All right. <laughs> uh, we call we call them lean up stands here uh because it leans up against the tree right but right. a ladder stand you know uh two-man millennium m220 if that you know if that helps any with the model but uh <laughs> you know uh we were sitting there messing with each other we've been hunting for two three hours uh and just just sitting there and dad like froze he's like there's a deer and I thought he'd been messing with me because we've been doing this the whole time. I'm like, whatever. So I, I like lean over and there's a doe, doe standing there. Okay. And she's, she's kind of walking in or whatever the case. Well, dad picks the gun up and sets it on the, you know, the lean, the lean up rail uh-huh. or the, the shooting rail that we had in front of us. And I went to get comfortable with the, the rail squeaked. 
it had that foam insulation on it. Well, uh-huh. whenever it rolled, it squeaked. Oof. And the doe turned and looked at us. So me being a kid and watching watching TV and all these movies and sniper movies, I was like, oh, okay, well, it's looking at me. I'm just going to shoot her between the eyes. Oh, no. So so I put the crosshairs on her and just pull the trigger, and she just cuts a flip. Oh, no. And that, dad was just looking at me like that really just happened. Well, come to find out later on, like I like blacked out apparently. <laughs> so my dad was sitting there telling me, he was like, hey, look, just wait. Just wait, just wait. She's going to turn here. And all of a sudden, boom, the gun goes off. Uh-huh. And he said that he watched her do like two, two somersaults. And we climbed down and come to find out the deer was 16 steps from the bottom of the stand where I shot her. Oh, wow. And I, per- I perfectly split between her two eyes. And dad still tells people that story to this day. And I, I do too. I think it's, I, you know, That's I think awesome. it's hilarious. I'm just a, yeah, I'm just a little kid playing sniper in a, in a tree stand, uh, on a deer, you know, <laughs> it's it. Well, you know, you, you play back over the, the mental mindset and you often wonder, I'm sure you play it back and you go, what was I thinking? But then again, you're like, I was just replaying all that I had seen or watched or thought I was doing. And here I am. I'm in, right. I'm in another, I'm in the zone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm in the zone. I'm controlling my breathing. I'm squeezing the trigger. You know, I'm worried about all this stuff I've watched on TV that, you know, they're talking <laughs> about military snipers have done, uh, trying to, you know, trying to replicate that. And you know, it worked. I mean, right. hey. <laughs> right. So. That's awesome. Well, that's a good story, man. I, I like to hear. That's one of the things that I do like to hear. I like to hear what, you know, everybody has a memorable experience in, in the woods or multiple memorable experiences. And that just goes back to what we were saying about getting out there and enjoying it. So what, um, and, we, and we'll wind down with this here. What are your goals for, uh, for this year's deer season? What do you, you know, you got anything on, uh, on the plate so far, any target bucks in, that you're after or anything that you know that you had from last year leftovers that you're chasing? Man, uh, my my goal for this year is just to kill a good rack buck. Okay, like that's my, you know, 120 plus inch deer. Uh, that's not crazy for for the reserve that I hunt on. Okay, um, I had I had a target buck at the end of the year last year. I don't know where he went. Um, I haven't seen him or caught any of his sign this year in some of the areas that I've been to. Okay, um, so I'm gonna kind of branch out, go a little bit wider. Uh, I know where some bedding areas are. But, you know, when the rut hits and those deer start moving, I mean, he's liable to be a couple miles away. Sure, sure. Oh, uh, but that's that's pretty much my goal for this year. Um, the only the only buck I shot last year, I think, uh, yeah, I shot two spikes last year. Uh, hmm. One on the lease, lease that I was on because I did I did get on the lease last year just to have a place for my wife to hunt. Okay. And I ended up kill, killing a deer out there. And then I shot another one in the, uh, in the reserve. Uh, but I did not get to actually put a rack buck down last year. Um, I knew where one was at. I I was chasing him, but I just didn't, you know, didn't have that opportunity. Um, so that's, that's my goal for this year is hopefully to locate him. If I can, he's probably a 130 class, you know, real dark chocolate horn. Uh, I think he's probably two and a half, three years old. Um, that's that that'd be nice if i could find him again but my my goal is 120 plus this year um because that that would just be a good deer for me in general awesome yeah i mean and that's a good that's a good goal i mean that's a that's a great goal for you know for most people and i you know we preach the goal thing 
a little bit more um, this year, especially me. I mean, I've noticed in the past that when I start putting putting things on paper, if you will, not necessarily on paper, but if I start talking about it and speaking that stuff into existence a little bit and going, okay, this is really what I want to do, then I find myself not faltering and falling short or or uh, making a hasty decision and harvesting something that I'm just not happy with. And, you know, that, that going, okay, well, this is what I can do. And this is, you know, this is the direction I want to go with it. So that's a, that's a good program. I like it. Hopefully, uh, the next time, you know, we're here soon, you and I'll talk and you'll have some stories to tell me, we'll get you on here again. We'll tell the, tell the hunting story on that side. And we'll talk a little bit more about what you got going on deer season wise and how you guys have done, maybe get you and Donnie on here together with us, uh, at the same time. And, and, you know, we'll, uh, we'll BS our way through some, some good deer stories, hopefully. Man, that sounds like a plan. Y'all stay in touch. Will do, man. We appreciate you jumping on with us. And uh, also out there uh, in listener land, um, if you guys need anything and you're in the Louisiana area, reach out. We'll have, uh, I'll get some information up on the uh, the actual episode bio here that has any of the information for to reach out to Hunter and, and touch base with him at Superior down there. And uh, also they're on social media, Facebook and and are you guys on Instagram, Hunter, or no? Uh, not yet. Okay, perfect. So they're just on Facebook at this time, and obviously internet. And you know, you're you guys got a website. What's your website? Uh, we're building the website now. Okay. Uh, to to be finished up. Okay. Uh, but you can call any of our stores. You know, uh, I, uh you can call Ball. You can call Gina. Uh, call Gina. Ask for me. I'm, I'm there twenty four seven, pretty much, even if I'm sick. Uh, but I'm happy to help and, you know, I can do pretty much anything over the phone or ship anything anywhere. Sounds good. Well, we, uh, we appreciate it and we appreciate everybody jumping on and joining us, um, for this episode this week and stay tuned. Uh, hopefully when we come back to you, we'll have some deer stories from Kentucky for you guys. And thanks again, Hunter, for joining us this week. Uh, we do appreciate it. Absolutely guys. Thank y'all.